Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze and interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. This is Erin. Uh, I have a special guest on this podcast. Her name's uh, Jackie Greenberg. Uh, she owns a company called Moon Looms. It's two words, but on Instagram, it's underscore Moon Looms, one word, underscore. And uh, she reached out to Bitch Talk. It's basically two years ago. And at the time, she was making these cute little felt ladies uh, with boobs. And <laughs> I know it sounds funny, but she contacted us. She's like, I'm doing this thing and want to make one for you. What would you like? So um, on topic for us uh, were um, basically the eggplant emoji, uh, which we actually still use as a team because it's just one of the things that when, when something's going sideways or shitty in our lives for the Bitch Talk crew or we're just like, what? We'll send uh, the eggplant emoji. So she made this little eggplant emoji with boobs and a butt. And we love her. She's getting a little harried. Um, but we call her Bonet Kravitz. And that's after a sex position Ange and I, Captain Party and I made up. Anyways, <laughs> it's a long story. Anyways, Jackie made it for us. She's been our little mascot for the last couple of years. She actually walked this uh, the red carpet at Sundance uh, this earlier this year. And so she was at the That's What She Said, That's What She Made, Make Her Fair um, for the second time in a row, selling her beautiful goods. And I was able to carve out some time and actually have a check-in with her because we've never actually had her on the podcast. So this is my interview with Jackie Greenberg of Moon Looms. Jackie Greenberg here of uh, Moon Looms. And we actually, we know Moon Looms from, you said two years ago, you... I want to say it was two years, um, but I've been following you and listening to you for like so long, and I had to send you guys something, yeah, and I, I think it's been about two years, because I've had this business for a little over two years, yeah, maybe like two years on a month. Um, so you reached out, I, I don't even remember how it all happened now, but you reached out, and you were talking about yeah I emailed you and I mm -hmm, and I was at the time I still do but at the time I was really into needle felting and it's it's more time consuming than macrame so it's I'm I've been balancing my time but I was very into it and I wanted to send you a felted um, lady who looked like it was like boobs but everything and you guys had a twist <laughs> yeah I mean we made it uh, hard for her and because we're like well what do we what do we want you know and at the time and actually still like for some reason if we are just we're being a little sassy to each other through text or like someone pisses us off or whatever we use the emoji of the eggplant and so I was like well can you can you make can you make an eggplant with boobs? And she's like, yeah. Yeah, and I added a butt too, you know, because it needed, she needed a butt. And it was just, yeah, a huge, a huge eggplant, squishy eggplant with boobs. And she still is, but she has been around. Um, I will say that she's, she's two years old. She's traveled. Um, she's been on red carpets at Sundance. I mean, she's really living her best life. Living life. <laughs> I'm so happy for her. <laughs> And she looks like it. Um, but we named her Bonet Kravitz. And uh, it was after a made-up sex position that me and Ange made up. So I don't even remember actually how that happened. But yeah. No, I love her name. I love her. I love watching her adventures. And I am adding. I'm going to add a family to her. 
I'll be sending you. That's right. We already talked about that. I'm like, you are? Oh, yeah. We had that conversation like three hours ago. So, Jackie, let's talk because you have listened to the podcast for a while, which I'm a little, I'm embarrassed because I'm like, oh, my God, other people listen. <laughs> I know they do, but it's funny. Um, you have a really interesting personal story. And if you don't mind opening up a little bit about surgeries and all of those fun things, but... Um, it's something that I didn't know about you, and I think on Instagram, la was it last year? Or last year, um, actually in August, okay. marked one year since my most recent brain surgery, and that's my third one that I've had. Um, so yeah, I guess I can tell you tell you the story. Yeah, I mean, it was it was like great. This this really awesome, fun Bay Area girl wants to make us this eggplant, and then it's like you dig into people's stories, and you're like, oh fuck, like. What happened? I, I just feel like everyone has a story, you know, and everyone has something going on and you just never know. Um, but with me, you know, I had like lived a totally healthy life, um, hardly ever went to the doctor for anything. And I was in college. I went to UC Santa Cruz. Um, I was a sophomore and, you know, doing the college life, partying um, here and there and working. And I had a busy schedule and I was getting, you know, really bad headaches. Um, and I, I was like, you know, this doesn't feel right. Like I, I was diagnosing myself for a few months. Like I'm not drinking enough water. I'm working too much. I'm, you know, drinking too much and just doing the college life. And then I was talking to my mom and she's like, you know, you should come home. We'll take you to the doctor. It's probably migraines, you know, let's get you a massage. And I did a massage and it hurt. I'm like, this does not feel good. It was like on my neck and, and the pain was like really in the back of my head, um, like a headache nonstop. Um, and so, yeah, I went to my family doctor. I grew up in a really small town, so we have one doctor. And she, she was like, you know, it's probably nothing, but let's get you a scan um, just to make sure so you can rest easy. And I got a scan, and they are like, you know, we'll, we'll let you know in two weeks. We'll call you. As I'm leaving the parking lot, they call me, and they're like, you need to go to the emergency room. What? And I also want to say, too, there's always my fiancé and I make fun of each other, but we're like, this hurts. Should we go to the doctor? Yeah. This hurts. But kind of sometimes maybe. Yeah, and you and you never know. And I I am not one to to complain about pain ever my whole life. Like I take other people's pain when they're in pain. I'm I feel that for them, but when it comes to myself, like I do not I don't complain unless my bone is broken and then my parents are like, "Oh, wow, something must really be wrong." You know, she's complaining and so yeah, so then they, you know, they were like um, you need to go to the ER and my mom and I were together at the time she drove me there and the ER was across the street so we go and she's kind of like wait why like why are we at the emergency room and I'm like I don't know I I'm not really thinking about it and so um we're sit waiting in the emergency room I call back because she's like call them find out what's going on because I had just hung up I was kind of shocked um I'm like, like what <laughs> like what the fuck <laughs> so um I so I call and then um, they were like, we found two masses on your brain. And when, when they say that, you know, it's like, that could be anything that immediately it's like brain cancer, you know, and, and you don't, and they don't know. So, cause it was a CT scan, you know, it wasn't very, it was just, it was simple. Um, so, so I get the, um, I go in, I'm like in complete shock. I dropped the phone right when they said that and my mom had to pick it up and take over for me because I'm like, what, how do you react to that news, you know? Um, and so, yeah, so I go to the back. My dad meets us there from work and immediately they're like, you need to get brain surgery. You need to like go to a hospital. Um, 
So I go to Stanford the next morning, like 4 a.m., um, and started the journey. And so get to Stanford. I was there for two weeks while they were trying to figure it out, like what's going on. They did rule out it wasn't cancer, so it was tumors. So yeah, so then I go, I'm there for two weeks and they're running all these tests and then they finally realize that I have a genetic condition. It's called VHL and it is so rare because no one in my family has it. So the it was like a one in 4.6 million chance, something crazy that tweaked during conception my genes just flipped you have all your chromosomes you know they're in pairs and one I think it was like the G chromosome just flipped in half like flipped around and that caused this whole thing to happen um so what it does is it I can grow like tumors um throughout my body or I cannot you know it's it, they don't know what causes it um what can cause some people to have more, what can cause some people to not have more or to have less. And so um, we, once we figured that out, we're like, okay, we know what it is. My sister was pregnant. You know, everybody's worried. Like, who does anyone else have it in the family? Everyone gets tested. Nobody has it. So it was just a rare freak thing. And I I was very positive during this experience because I'm you, you go into this mindset of like, do, immediately you don't have time to think so it's like whatever you know you're feeling is what, what what you feel and so I immediately was like I'm gonna get through this like it's gonna be fine not once was I like oh I'm I'm gonna die or I'm so worried you know something bad's gonna happen um, although while I was in at Stanford my original brain surgeon who was supposed to do the surgery he backed out right before and he was like I am it could be we're not sure but it looks like it could be next to a blood vessel. And if anything happens, that can be terrible. That can be life-threatening. So he backed out. And then that's when I got a little worried. I'm like, i uh, never heard of a doctor backing out of a surgery. At Stanford. At Stanford. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, so... Should I be worried? And so my family and I are very close. I'm, I'm uh, a middle child of three sisters, or two sisters, three girls. And um, we're all super tight. And so they definitely were, were building me up. You know, it was just like total support system. So I go through the surgery. Um, it was eight hours. I wake up, thought I went to hell. Like literally thought I went to hell because I woke up in the worst pain of my life on the back. I was laying on the back of my head and the tumors were in the back. Um, they were like golf ball sized. And they removed them, everything was good. Um, but I, yeah, I, I thought I was like, I, I am in hell. I, there was a nurse, it was like a dark room in the ICU. A nurse was sitting at a table across from me with a light on her. But she, I was trying to yell help and I couldn't get words out and she didn't know I was awake and I couldn't get her attention. And I'm like, where am I, what's happening? But you know, it's just once that faded out and I kind of came to, it took about two weeks until I could leave the hospital. I was like kind of like walking and just really, I, I didn't want to move. I was in so much pain that I didn't want to move. And everyone was like, you need to walk if you want to leave. And I'm like, I can't. And so that experience was really hard. Um, going home, I t had to take um, one quarter off of school. And then I went back to school like a month later and I was you know, I had an IV in my arm like while I was in class and no one knew I was like had a sweater over it and would like have to do my own um, medicine. But yeah, I did that two years later. And so now every year it's like I just have to go to get scans because I could have another one. And so, yeah, it turns out two years after that, um, I had another and I had to go back in for surgery. 
And this time was different because I actually was worried that I could die. Like it, my, I didn't have as much like confidence the second time around because I'm like, how how does somebody have to go through this twice? Like the first time, okay, I can get through it, but the second time, you know what to expect. You know the pain that's coming. You know that something could go wrong. And my mindset switched a little bit, and I did start to feel a little bit scared for the first time. And I also had a month to wait until the surgery. So the first time it was like, no time, you know, it just happened, okay, we're doing this. Second time it was just like every night I was up freaking out, um, went through it, and then I was back home, you know, it, I was okay. My recovery seems, every time seems to be really well. Um, and so, so then, yeah, sure enough, two years later it happened again, which was just in August. So it's been a year and, I don't know, three months, four months. Um, and that time I had a female surgeon, different surgeon. Awesome. Freaking awesome. I love her. Um, she's great. Just yeah. a different experience for you overall? Totally different experience. Um, I actually woke up and she had braided my hair and, <laughs> and like made me look cute. I woke up and I was like, who did this? I have braids. Um, but she just, she's great. She's awesome. She, you know, went in there. I, I left the hospital in two days after two days and I was like, let's, I'm going to get out of here. I know what to do. I know I need to walk. I need to move. Um, I, yeah, I went home, recovered with my family who they live in the mountains. So it was like nice and quiet. And my husband was with me. Um, he's great. He was every more, every middle of the night, you know, he had his alarm set and he was waking me up to give me medicine and to just like take care of me. Um, but yeah, so I mean, now it's just, that's life. You know, I go in every year. I just went in. Everything looked good. Um, but, you know, it, it's not just in my brain. Like, I could have something in my kidney or um, pancreas, you know, all over. So when I do feel certain pains, I have to be aware and go in. But so far, everything's been great. And I, I've just tried to stay positive because I know that you know, life is hard for everybody and we all have something and it's just something that I have to work through and to go through. And I'm sure there's a reason that I am. And I think it's just because I can handle it, you know? Yeah, I was going to say, um, I'm going to hate this question, but I'm going to ask it anyways, because I think it's pretty prevalent to this conversation. But um, has this experience influenced the way that you live your life or um, the way that you think about life in general or yeah. I would say definitely um, life is short and I think the first time I went through it afterwards I was like there is a reason I need to figure this reason out like why am I going through this and I need to like help people like anyone else I actually started um, there's VHL which is the um, name of my condition um, I was like a chapter leader for the VHL Alliance and I got a bunch of people together in the San Jose area for a dinner and we all talked about, you know, our experience finding out and some people had kids and they had kids after they, before they found out. So their kids have it. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Cause it's genetic. So there's a chance, there's a 50, 50 chance. So my husband and I will take the proper precautions before um, having kids so that doesn't happen for our children. 
especially because it started with me, so I wanted to stop with me. It's not something that it's like my parents went through and their grandparents went through. You know, it's just and and that group that you meet with, you said this is like a one in four point whatever million. My uh, chance because it, it happened during like conception, like it, it was a tweak in my genetics. Um, so it wasn't a, it's a genetic condition, but not brought not passed down genetically from a parent. So, um, but yeah, I definitely have a completely different outlook on life. I'm very positive. I like love every person, every creature, every human, because I see that, you know, we're all weird, you know, we're all like weird humans just trying to like make it through life. And I, I mean, yeah, and now I feel like I can talk to people that are going through things in a different way, because it's like, I can relate, you know, I've been through this crazy thing. And I just feel like I'm more like open and I can be there for people more. Um, I guess that sort of explains your job at a big tech company. Yeah. I won't say the name if you don't want me to, but... Oh, no, it's okay. Okay, okay. She works at Google. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about that a little bit, yeah. but it seems like the job that you do there is very specific um, and probably requires a lot of patience, I would say. So. Yeah, so I, yep, I work at Google. Um, I am a program manager for um, the accessibility team. So we, our team makes products for people who have, um, you know, any sort of disability. So they're um, blind, low vision, deaf, hard of hearing, um, motor impaired. And so we have different apps for them. And my role is, um, is helping us get to different conferences to show these apps to people. And before that, I was working with blind people at Google. So I am very like comfortable working with people with all kinds of disabilities um, and then watching them like feel so happy that like this app is helping them. You know, they're like, oh my God, now I can, you know, use my Google Home to turn on my microwave and, and it'll tell me when it's done. This is amazing. And so it's it makes me feel so good to see people you know get joy out of things and to just know that their lives are a little bit easier because everybody's struggling with something and I it makes me sad because I am very much like an empath like if I see somebody cry across the room I instantly I'm triggered I start me too same I can't help it and when it's me my my own self I don't need to cry over myself like I hardly do I mean I cry all the time but when it not so do I much like to myself you know because I'm like oh I'll get through that I'm fine but like I don't know about them and so it makes me feel for them and I yeah like I'm I just get triggered by other people's pain and um, sadness and so I feel like I'm able to use what I've gone through to kind of like relate and help them feel open to tell me things and I, I do notice people tell me things all the time and that's just how they do that to my dad too it's like somebody will come up to me and give me their whole life story out of nowhere and I'm like I wonder what that is you know maybe they just know that I can somehow relate I don't know but well, you have a very inviting smile and you're but you are open I, I think anyone who meets you knows that so I think it's so important to be open I know a lot of people maybe don't feel comfortable with that and that's fine but I just think I I'm a I talk about my feelings all the time and I wanna know like what are you feeling? You know, I'm I'm very much like we all have feelings and and I know a lot of people aren't like that, but that's just how I am. I, I wanna know, like if you're not okay, like why? <laughs> What's going on? Let's talk about it. I've been accused of that as well. <laughs> feeling my feelings just pour out of me like nonstop. Yeah. yeah. 
So I'm going to switch to your macrame work and, and I can kind of tie into it actually because mm -hmm. it's all kind of interwoven into your life. Mm -hmm. I've always loved art. I'm an art major from Santa Cruz and so studio art, I was mostly painting drawing um, and then it wasn't until so then at my first time in the hospital um, an art therapist came to my room at Stanford and had art supplies and I'm like this is an interesting job I was very intrigued and that's when I actually switched from health science to art um, as a major while I was like in the hospital I just like had this thought I'm like I, I fucking love art why don't I why am I like not studying art and doing what I love and that was another thing that I learned from this experience was like life is short like do what you love it's like you know it's probably like kind of a generic quote but it's true it's like do, you should be doing what you love why why not it's well it's finding um it's not even the energy the courage mm -hmm. and that sounds weird but it is because i don't know if you really want to do something you love it is kind of courageous because it takes a lot especially when it comes to art a lot of people are like oh i could never be an art major i wish i could but like i'm never gonna make money doing that you know i'm my parents would never let me like change majors and my parents were like do what you want girl like you like enjoy life um, and so, yeah, I switched and I was instantly like, should I do art therapy? Because I love helping people. I love talking to people and seeing them like, you know, be healed in different ways. Um, and so I was very fascinated by that. And then, you know, I started going down like the teaching route and I was teaching transitional kindergarten in Oakland and doing different things with kids. And I, I love kids and I... I feel like I was like thriving in that community just because like it was another thing like you're seeing these kids like grow and they're like you're helping them and um, and so I but I was always still doing art on the side and then I recently yeah we were my husband and I were coming where we were getting married and I really wanted a macrame backdrop for our wedding our, our um, ceremony and I went on Etsy, which is awesome. Everybody should go to Etsy because it's all like handmade stuff. And I went on Etsy and I found a few and they were all ridiculously expensive. And I'm like, oh no, I, I couldn't spend like $1,500 on this backdrop. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna teach myself how to make this. And so I watched some YouTube videos um, learned the basic knots and then I went to Home Depot and got a huge wooden dowel and hung it on my ceiling from my ceiling in my living room my one-bedroom apartment and I got a shit ton of rope from Michaels because I didn't know where else to buy rope at the time and I just made this backdrop and I loved it instantly I was hooked I was like I when I find especially when it comes to art a new passion like I get hooked and so I was like making plant hangers for all my friends and just like the ones that I made, my original ones are like terrible compared to like the ones I make now. I'm like, why did I do them like that? But yeah, I just sort of turned into like this really addictive hobby. And, and then on our way back from our honeymoon, we went to Thailand in Cambodia and it was just so touching. And we had an amazing experience and I was feeling so much love on the flight home. And I told my husband, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm like gonna turn this into like, I'm gonna get an Etsy shop and start selling, you know, macrame. 
And he's like, you should. He's so supportive. He's like, oh, my God. He's like my angel. He's just like biggest fan. Yeah, I don't really know your husband, but I love him. Yeah, he, oh, my God. Everyone does. He's so helpful. <laughs> he is amazing. And so he was fully on board. He's like my photographer. He's, you know, every everything. He helps me with all the macrame shows that I have. And um, But he can't you know tie a square knot still even though he's watched me do it a million times but yeah and so that's when it started it was about two years ago um in November and after that I just like it just took off I mean it didn't take off but it's that's just something that I've been doing and I I've seen a progression obviously in my pieces that I've made because doing it every single night it's just it's so therapeutic it's like a monotonous activity that I can do when I get home from work and I want to unwind um yeah it's like an art therapy basically and can you talk about because I you know I follow you on Instagram obviously so I see everything so do you want to talk a little bit about your workshops and also I saw that you do kind of custom work I saw that you did bouquets so yeah Uh uh-huh so um I do have an Etsy shop and on Etsy people can request custom orders so um I had this Um, really sweet girl she just got married but she had ordered a few things from me like a dog leash for her wedding ceremony to walk her dog down the aisle and then just like a couple custom things and then she asked me like can you make bouquet wraps for my bridesmaids so I made those for her which aren't in my shop but you know I do any kind of custom but I also um, made some for my own wedding my bridesmaids so once because I was hooked after the big uh, backdrop I was like what else could I macrame so I did um, bouquet wraps for them so um, I think maybe she saw a picture on my Instagram of those and was like I need those for mine so um, yeah I do custom orders and then I also teach workshops um, in Oakland at Makers Loft Oakland which is a cute super cute shop um, shout out to Rochelle and Sila, they own it. And um, yeah, there's all kinds of workshops there. There's like kombucha making, um, earrings, soap. Um, and so I teach a couple times a month. Um, we drink wine, we have snacks, and we make plant hangers and you know, whatever else they want to make, wall hangings. And it's just so fun. So I have an Etsy shop, custom orders usually either through Instagram or Etsy, and then workshops. I love you. Thank you so much for finding Bitch Talk. <laughs> I love you so much. Aww. You are all so great, and I am just, like, so happy we met. Me too. Um, where can everyone find you? And then, you know, we'll have, like, a part four of this at some point with my my other members. Yeah, yeah I'd love to meet them, too. Um, so you can find me on Instagram. It's moonlooms, um, but there is, like, an underscore before the moon looms and after. So there's two underscores. Um, and also Etsy, my Etsy shop is just Moonlooms. Yep. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here and for being at, this is the second time you've been at the That's What She Said. Now it's called That's What She Made, Makers Fair. So thank you. Yes, thank you so much for inviting me. I hope I come back next year. Of course. Duh. That was Jackie Greenberg of Moonlooms. Please find her. Uh, You still have some time uh, right before the holidays to either buy something for yourself or your friends or your loved ones. Uh, She's on Etsy. She's on Instagram. Um, You can find her and her shit is dope. In the meantime, you can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com. You can find us at bff.fm every Monday morning from 6 to 6.30. As you'll note, that's a new time for us. Thanks for listening. And we're powered by GoTo Productions. Bitch, please.